0: Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mish Gondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut or shortened due to rights issues.
1: This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listening colour. In partnership with Mishkondorea, it's business, but it's personal. Good
0: morning. This is Jazz Shapers. I'm Elliot Moss. It's where the shapers of business join the shapers of jazz, soul and blues. I'm really pleased to say that my guest today is Dr. Nick Taylor. We have a doctor in the house, co-founder and CEO of Unmind, a workplace mental health platform providing organisations with clinically-backed tools and training to create a healthier, happier workforce. Nick's always been very interested in how people feel in the world and the things that impact on their well-being. Jessica, one of his three sisters, has Down syndrome, and as he says, I grew up with someone in my family who saw the world differently. After gaining a doctorate in clinical psychology and having worked in a leadership role for the NHS, Nick became interested in corporate wellness and how organizations can benefit by looking after their employees. He co-founded Unmind in 2016 to create a proactive solution to support all organizations to do just this. Mental health, Nick says, is the number one best thing about being a human being. So it's frustrating that we always see it in a negative light. We need the right care at the right time and we shouldn't be ashamed of it. We'll be talking to Nick in a few minutes and find out just how Unmine works and how it's being received. We've also got fantastic music from, amongst others, Quincy Jones, Ella Fitzgerald, and Stevie Wonder. That is today's Jazz Shapers. Here's Mose Allison with Swinging Machine. Are
1: you tired? Are you uninspired? If you're bored, you just can't afford to miss out on the scene when I unveil my little swing machine years, through sweat and tears, I made tests, trying to find the best. you know just what I mean, I turn on my machine.
0: That was oh, Mose Allison, gonna... and jaunty it was too, with Swinging Machine. My business shape today is a doctor. His name's Nick, and he is the co-founder of Unmind, and it's a real pleasure to have you here. Hello. Hello, great to be here. Lovely to see you. As I was introducing you, the thought that hit me immediately was this point about... Uh, wellness and health and mental health being so kind of critical to the the happiness of a human being an obvious point but people don't often posit it like that at what point did you realize this was going to be for you what you were going to focus your life on
2: i think there's been probably a couple of points for me Uh, you know i I often talk about growing up and with three sisters my middle sister jessica's down syndrome and i have a couple of very early memories of you know saying oh i think she said a word and and picking up an atmosphere from those people around like my mum, that clearly she wouldn't have done because she was too early and developmentally that wasn't going to be possible and and just being aware that there was a strange atmosphere and that that kind of so very 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 young like three four years old noticing that there's a difference between people and that we're not all the same and so that had quite a profound impact and and then always stayed interested in what made human beings what they are and I was always more into arts than science and um, I was really into music and, and and actually music's a lot about emotion I think the reason we like music is it makes us feel certain ways and transports us to different places in our head my first degree is in music and i did my dissertation on the use of gregory ligety's music in stanley kubrick's films which is super interesting because you've got kind of a postmodernist composer uh used in like a highly popular medium and it's kind of juxtaposition really and actually when you dig into film music it's it's psychology because you're often using it to help make the point of the film or to contrast the point of the, the film or whatever it might be. Hmm. So I started reading a lot of psychology. Um, and then that kind of came about the same time I was volunteering as a Samaritan. And, um, and then I left university, I had a great three years, wasn't particularly financially responsible and um, wanted to go traveling. And, and, and I couldn't work out how to afford to pay off my debts and raise enough money and go, go and see some countries around the world uh, until I realized that I could do a day job Living with my parents, I could do a day job in a theatre and then at night time I could be a sleep and support worker for Mind. And I thought at the time, well, this is, a kind of, this is a great wheeze, what's happened here, I've worked out a way of doing it. But but actually, I just fell totally madly in love with the work for Mind and, and found it so fascinating, supporting people with severe and enduring mental ill health. And that was the moment really when I was like, I want to retrain and, and focus my, my attention on psychology.
0: And just going back to the point you made about the atmosphere, the tension... People I meet that have go into the medical profession are often trying to fix something. It sounds to me like there was a tension that you wanted to address that you were aware of and, and then you address it. Do you think of it like that? Do you want to ameliorate what you see in front of you?
2: I don't think of it as fixing actually so much because I think there is a danger with mental health that we think about it sometimes as something that only occurs when we have problems. But the reality is we have mental health all of the time all of our life, and it's sometimes less to do with fixing problems and, and sometimes more to do with exploring what's going on for an individual and thinking less as a binary thing and more something we have all of the time and sometimes it's our interpretation and understanding of what's going on in our mental health that's important as opposed to fixing something that's broken. I actually meant, and I, and
0: I, I agree with that, I actually meant the fixing of the atmosphere, the fact that you sense that tension, is it was that in the back of your mind as well as you've gone for? Because you're right, of course, it isn't. The whole point is that you've presented it in a different way, which is right. But that point around the tension that people feel and the uncomfort they have felt historically about talking about mental health, let alone dealing with it, yeah. is that part of the mission
2: as well? Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, that I think is deeply frustrating because we've ended up in this place where, and it's changing, but we've more or less ended up in a place where mental health is has become really stigmatized. I mean, people find it hard to talk about. And and it's being associated with the kind of images of black and white images of people holding their head in their hands. I picked up a magazine recently. That there were three articles about mental health and all three articles had a picture of someone holding their head in their hands. For goodness sake, like why do we always position the subject in this way when it is such an incredible part of being a human being? You know, if you really think about what our mental health is, it's our ability to to think, to be creative, to problem solve, to build relationships, to dream, to like feel all the emotions that we feel. Our emotions are really amazing. It's like, that's the best thing about being a human being. And yet we've ended up black and white image of people holding their head in their hands. It doesn't work in my head. My personal dream is that one day, one of my three really titchy little kids one day will come home from school and say, Daddy, today I learned the most incredible thing. I've got mental health and it's amazing. That's where the subject belongs. It's taking me for
0: much more from my brilliant business shaper. It's Dr. Nick Taylor. He's the co-founder of Unmind, and we've been talking about mental health and the fact that it's a good thing rather than necessarily a problem or a bad thing. Time for more music, and I hope it changes your mood appropriately. It's Quincy Jones with Summer in the City. That was Quincy Jones with Summer in the City. I'm talking to Dr. Nick Taylor. He's the co-founder, CEO of Unmind. And we're talking about a repositioning of mental health. So we've established why you got to this place where you said, you know what, this is a thing that needs to be addressed in a, in a positive way, in a, in a different way. Converting that moment of uh, you falling in love with the notion of being involved in mental health to your own business, to setting up something, to delivering a product. That's quite a journey. 2016, I believe you set the business up. Just give me a little bit of a sense of how you got to the point where you were able to convert passion into product.
2: So I think if you had met me probably as like a ten-year-old boy, and you'd said, "What do I want to do?" I would have told you I wanted to run a business. So like as, as a kid, that was all I ever wanted to do. Why? I mean, that's kind of. I don't know. It just always fascinated me. I was it always really interested me how you build something, how you um, create a new, how you create something new, right? And then really, psychology became a. It's just a passion and it started becoming a bigger and bigger and bigger passion over the years to the point where I'm going to go and do that. So I always felt it was a little kind of ironic that I ended up working in the NHS, like one of the biggest employers in the world. I was like, this is some way away from my kind of entrepreneurial aspirations as a kid. So it doesn't surprise me to kind of then go and start a business. However, that said, I didn't do any preparation in terms of I wasn't secretly kind of reading Harvard Business Review or anything like that. What really happened was that I found myself in a senior leadership role in the NHS, and there is so much incredible stuff going on in the NHS and so many brilliant people, but it's also really under a lot of pressure in in a lot of teams. And we had high levels of absenteeism, presenteeism, turnover of staff. And I found myself just kind of thinking, "How how do we address this? And I'd go home at night and read kind of Gallup reports and Deloitte reports about how organizations better support their people. And the more I was doing this research, the more I felt actually there just isn't a solution that's really adequately meeting the mental health needs of people in organizations. So the the kind of seed was sown at that point. I then took a family holiday to South Africa and and through total chance saw an old friend of mine who was working with a guy in in Johannesburg running corporate mindfulness sessions. And as soon as I heard about what he was doing, I just thought that I think there's something about switching tact. And I got in touch with the guy he was working for, who is an old oil uh, oil trader uh, who burnt out in London. And he and I started talking, and after a little while, he he said, look, what would it take for you to leave the NHS and start the business that you're dreaming about? And it was just as my second kid was a, about to be born. And somehow, my wife Mary and I thought it was a good idea to leave like the secure job of the NHS and... Start a tech startup. Uh, just you were drunk, good. were you? <laughs> maybe it was that. Maybe, maybe had a it was really that. good dinner. I can't remember the conversation, but I, I don't know <laughs> how. Who we... can she actually? <laughs> I spoke to I deny any knowledge of this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm so glad um, we did it. You know, it was it was a, it was a cool decision, and it's been an amazing journey since that point.
0: And those first few months, you set it up. It's just you, or you quickly hire people. The funding. You, I know you're funded to a significant level. Was that at the beginning to to then hire the people, or which order
2: did it go in? Uh, It was a little bit of chicken and egg kind of stuff, actually, in terms of the early fundraising journey. I left in September, and there was a period of then of building the core founding team, of whom the the four of us now is Nick Tong, our, our CTO, lifelong engineer, Steve Peralta, he ran wellness sessions in corporates sounds like you're introducing the members of the band on drums on drums steve steve's a great musician actually and there we go
0: and you you're a musician too
2: and and me on sax is there any i
0: mean that joking side about the band thing is there a sense that that all of you have to work i mean is the chemistry good is the alchemy good
2: yeah it has to be right and and the miss the guy i didn't bring in i'll put him on bass is ryan morgan (laughs) um and and i guess that to 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 your earlier question, like, Rai had experience of previously building businesses, so he brought a wealth of understanding about HR tech, and that helped us be really selective about the investors we approached, because we wanted people that brought huge value, who understood either the the mental health aspect of what we were trying to achieve, or the business aspect of what we were trying to achieve. So, we were very careful early on in that, and we've always been very careful about the investors we've brought in since.
0: Stay with me for much more uh, from Nick Taylor, who's my doctor in the house today. He'll be back in a couple of minutes. First, though, we're going to hear from one of our partners at Mishkondorea with some advice for your business.
3: Hi, I'm Richard Leedham, Head of Insurance Litigation at Mishkondorea. We have clients who come to us who have claims against insurance companies and often they face the problem themselves, which is why they need to claim. And they're very concerned about the cost of bringing that claim. And what I say to them is, don't worry about the cost of it. There's a concept out there called litigation funding, where funders will come in, um, if you've got a good claim, we will back your claim, invest in it. And yes, they want a cut of what you recover, but in return, they cover the cost of your litigation, so you don't have to worry about something which is a real worry to a lot of clients. There's a pretty sophisticated market out there of funders who I've worked with over the years. They access private money, university funds, property funds and hedge funds and the rest of it. And litigation is seen as quite a good investment to make at a time when investment returns generally for capital are really low, whereas a, a funder can get 25-30% back from a piece of litigation.
1: Jazz shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.
0: There are many ways for you to enjoy all our former Jazz Shapers and indeed to hear this programme again. You can ask Alexa to play Jazz Shapers and there you can hear many of the recent programmes. Or if you pop Jazz Shapers into iTunes, you can hear the full archive there as well. But back to today, it's Dr Nick Taylor. He's co-founder and CEO of Unmind, a workplace mental health platform. And we've been talking about the band members, the team and that fusion, the meeting of business and of mental health expertise was it all plain sailing that first year? Was it a genuine "We're on a mission, we know what we're going to do, and everything's happy, everyone's happy"? Or not? Uh,
2: it's the honesty yeah. moment. Nick. Yeah, the He's honesty his moment. His yeah. eyes are now going.
0: How honest do I God, be at I don't this answer moment? That.
2: Um, do you know what? I think for people who have run multiple businesses before and they hear our story, they say, "Wow, it's been an incredible journey. You guys have grown very fast, and um, you know you've come to the market just the right time, and um, you've got the right team, and that's wonderful to hear." But of course, like when you're actually Doing it, you're the person in part, as part of that journey. Of course, there are times when it's, it's really stressful and, and scary and worrying. But the vast majority of it has been incredibly exciting and fast-paced and, and right and good.
0: Um. In that adrenaline ride, and it is, I imagine, a bit of a roller coaster, obviously you're making multiple decisions at speed. Did you all give yourselves the space to stop and just move away and think and be clear again? Did you have those opportunities? Because it strikes me often in the beginning of the lifetime of a business, it is just crazy. But the people that really succeed are able to stop and go, are we pointing in the right direction here? Have you had those moments yet? Or are you still on that first
2: trajectory? Well, now, because you've said the people that succeed, stop and pause. I've got to answer <laughs> that we stop and pause. Elliot, we pause, no, we, we pause a lot, a lot of pause. No, um, <laughs> do you know, it's a, there's a lot of funny kind of decisions that you make and we still make today where you're, you're trying to predict the right decision to make in that moment for something that will happen in six months time that you've never done before. So inevitably, you have to pause to think about those decisions quite a lot because, because you don't know. There's so many things you don't know that you don't know in building a business. Um, and you know, no matter how many other people you speak to who have built businesses, no one's built your business in the way you're building it at that exact time. So you're kind of writing the rule book a little bit, I think, every time. So you have to pause, you have to think about it. And then it comes down to making sure you've got the right team to reflect. Mm. As careful as we are about the investors, we're careful about everyone in the team. Um, and and on mind is everyone's story in the team. We're, we're 41 people now and um, you know, each and every person brings their unique lens to what we're doing and, and wouldn't be possible without them. So it's, a, it's it's such a team effort. And hopefully amongst all those people, you've got someone that will spot problems when they occur, someone that will see opportunities. And, mm. like
0: and now and the clients of yours or the, the enterprises you partner with include Farfetch, John Lewis, Just Eat, Made.com, William Hill. These are big companies. Yeah. Um, and how have you managed to, A, land those contracts, which are very big, and B, then sustain them in different ways because different organisations require different things? Or have you managed to say, no, no, there are three themes you all need to do the following?
2: Uh, I think every business is a little bit different in how they approach the subject and how their culture impacts on how they think about the subject. You know, it's really important to point out that whilst we have this kind of aspirational point and we're saying, let's reimagine how we're talking about mental health, the point of doing that is not to say, oh, it's all fine. Mm. The point of doing that is to say, we've got a subject which people are not talking about, that people are scared by, That is causing an awful lot of pain. You know, the Stevenson Pharma review in 2017 showed a 37 billion pound cost to employers every year in the UK due to mental ill health. Vince Cable put that in perspective by saying it's the equivalent cost to going through Brexit every single year. You know, the,
0: the, the, Something the, I'm looking forward to so, personally. Oh, as we all are. Every year, of course, for the next <laughs> many years, we've we got to keep going. Consistency is very important. Yeah, well, it is, yeah. Uh, and in, in, in terms of, give me one example of a sort of thing that you do for a business with over a thousand people. What is a a, 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 a thing as a person that I will experience if I'm have access to the, the online platform?
2: Well, I'll definitely come to that. But let me let me also just quickly finish. But you know, the, the businesses are investing in mental health for their people because they recognise that mental ill health is causing them a huge problem. There is a very much a need for a solution to a big problem here. Um, and, but we believe the answer to that is to be much more aspirational and much broader in our approach. Because by doing that, you get an early intervention to people rather than a late intervention, which we can certainly chat about more. But in terms of how we support companies, let's say you're 100,000 people. 100,000 people in your organization, when we go live, get access to our digital platform, which they can use 24-7 on any device, you know, their phone, their tablet, their laptop. Um, and that gives them the tools to look after their mental health and empowers them to look after their mental health on a daily basis. Uh, you know, if you, if you think about um, how great we are at brushing our teeth, I bet, you know, everyone here in the studio would say they brushed their teeth this morning. And even if we didn't, we wouldn't say so because it's embarrassing now to say we don't engage in preventative dental health care. I wish all my children did brush their teeth every morning, <laughs> just, just FYI on that but, point. But you know, like, it's an amazing point, right? That we, We're really good at it, and, and that's, that's great. I'm really thrilled everyone brushes their teeth. But, <laughs> but if you compare the, your teeth to your brain, your brain's a bit more complicated. So it's a bit funny that we're so good at looking after our teeth but not our brains, right? Um, so we, give, we empower employees and organizations to look after their mental health on an ongoing basis.
0: I sort of asked a question around, so what is it that the platform could do? One of the things, and I had a guest in here many years ago, Andy Pudicombe, who was the founder of Headspace, and he was talking about mindfulness. That was six years ago, probably. In that period of time, mindfulness has become a bit of a global phenomenon. There's the Muse app, and there's a few others I can't remember the name of. That's one thing that one can do. What does, in practical terms, a mind offer another person what would they do beyond that because for me I find mindfulness quite difficult to do even though it's only 10 minutes of my time
2: yeah I mean I think kudos to the mindfulness community and and the the guys behind the the companies that have built the consumer apps that have been widely adopted because it's helped normalize the conversation around uh, how we can actually do things every day to look after our mental health our approach is uh, more holistic, and, and we believe that actually, whilst mindfulness is a, is a really great thing, it, it, just doing mindfulness or offering that is a little bit like just offering a gym with a treadmill. You know, It would be a bit of a rubbish gym with just a lot of treadmills, and you, know, you need to offer quite a broad array of things for people to do. Um, for us with the platform, it's about also giving people the tools to measure their mental health. Generally speaking, people don't know that much about what's going on with their mental health, so you need to give people a way of tracking and monitoring what's going on, and based on their, unique profile of how they are with their mental health. They're signposted to content on our platform that draws on cognitive behavioral therapy and its various kind of iterations, neuroscience, positive psychology, mindfulness, all the content is developed in collaboration with top experts around the world. So their their scores then directly impact on what they do. But we also integrate all the other services available within that organization onto the platform because it's hard for people to get to the right care at the right time. And Because nine out of 10 employees in the UK won't tell their employer about their mental health. So it's often hard for people to navigate the often brilliant services that are available internally. So we think that that should be made much simpler and lift the metaphorical fog around them and just like link to them on a platform. Health systems should talk to themselves. You know? And what I mean by that is if you went to see your GP um, or your doctor and you said, I've got a terrible back, and your doctor said, ah, I can't help you, I'm a medic, we'd go, that's, that's outrageous. You, you rely on a doctor to say, let me refer you to a physiotherapist. Digital health should signpost to traditional health and vice versa. There has to be that level of integration. In, in terms of the products that you're developing, you've talked
0: then about, obviously, experts, medical experts, a variety of experts contributing. What's the process for you going, I think there's something in there, okay, that's the issue, because obviously good good business comes out of solving a problem. Yeah, That's the, the issue we're trying to, to fix. Then what happens? Yeah. Is there an NPD process that you follow.
2: So, yeah, I guess a couple of things around that. So because obviously we get all of the individual data, if someone uses the platform, then they we see how their scores are, we see what they're doing. We empower the individual in that respect, but we also enable the organization to become data-driven in their mental health strategy. So we can aggregate and anonymize, the anonymous aspect is very important, obviously, we aggregate and anonymize the data so the business can then truly understand what's going on for their people. And based on that, they can start forming a strategy to support their people in the future based on how their people actually are, which is really important. If you can't measure something, you can't manage it. That's true for an individual, but it's also true for an organization when they're building strategies around supporting their people. So how that informs our content roadmap, because we're a workplace mental health platform, we're working, our roadmap is our client's roadmap to some extent. So if we see that there's a, Particular subject that's challenging for a group of people within a company, we will then develop content around that. And what we do, we have our own internal science team and data team and researchers. We will first and foremost look at the subject. So let's say menopause is a subject that's being spoken about in a lot of workplaces at the moment. We will then do a, a review of the literature, what's been shown to be effective in helping people understand the subject, how can we build programs to support people around that subject. And then we reach out to leading experts in the subject, people that have written the books or the leading academic papers or people who have been open and shared their own personal journey and we collaborate with them to create the content, which makes it incredibly engaging and reassuring for the users to know what they're experiencing is designed by the best people in the world.
0: And a quick question on collaboration. In your own universe, in your own business, it feels like you're not going to be the bossy kind of boss without being simplistic about it. Are you naturally a collaborative guy? I mean is that is that intentionally your style or have you developed that over the years because sometimes I can I imagine someone like you sees the way through it as a very strong feeling about what is right, wants to inculcate the room with optimism because that's where we're going, right? and yet other people may not quite be there. How how do you navigate that personally?
2: Yeah, I, I think, do you mean as in for us and our team internally? For you, in your, then for you, yeah. Yeah, we, I think if you um, see any of the kind of job checks that we, we put out when we're hiring people, it always talks about being a super flat organization, and 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 that's really important to us. And my point earlier about, you know, everyone in the team has a different lens they see the world by, and we, we believe to truly see the world in color, we need to get all of those different lenses on, on each problem. So we're very transparent about stuff, I think collaboration is incredibly important and, and, and letting people thrive and be the, be autonomous and, and drive to find solutions rather than it being like a top-down approach.
0: Stay with me for my final chat with Dr Nick Taylor. Plus, we'll be playing a track from the wonderful Stevie Wonder. That's all coming up in just a moment. Don't go anywhere.
1: Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mish Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.
0: That was Stevie Wonder with Golden Lady. And I'm with the doctor just for a little bit longer. It's Nick Taylor. He's the co founder of Unmind. We've been talking about all sorts of things. How young should we be starting to educate people about mental health? Because I imagine in schools, it's not really happening yet. Would you go younger? Is that the next frontier for you to lobby the government and say, bring it into the curriculum at age 11 or even younger?
2: Oh, definitely younger than 11. I mean, I think you know you pick babies up and they cry and say oh you're feeling sad you know it's so important to name the emotion to help people build a vocabulary around how to talk about their mental health that's so important and also it's important to help break the stigma if we talk about mental health when people are very young you know four five whatever it might be that means that when they're 10 this is not a new conversation it means when they're 15 it's not a new conversation you know mm. that's the time should be very very young i think it should be part of our one of the first things we talk to children about I think it should be
0: Unmind's next public advocacy strategy piece. Um, But genuinely, I mean, it's it's, it's a really important point. What about your mental health? Because you've got this big job, you've got three young kids, there's a lot of pressure, you're a funded business, you've got 41 people. I mean, everyone gets stressed. How do you cope with that? And are you very conscious of making sure you manage your own well?
2: I try and be very conscious. I actually find the measurement aspect of our platform super helpful because it highlights to me when problems are occurring. Um... We have a really great culture at work, so we do a lot of exercise. I, I spend at least 45 minutes a day running or in the gym, um, which I find really important for me. I try and sleep, but that's a bit of a joke with three young children. Um, so that that I know would help. We talk a lot about how we're doing at work, which is really important. And and at home for me also, Mary, my wife, is super supportive. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky in that most of the time my mental health is in, in generally quite a good place, but I definitely try and keep track of what's going on and, and, and use the platform as and when I need to... Relax, whatever it might be.
0: And obviously, we don't, we, I don't know whether the business is making money yet, but it, it needs to going forward. How important
2: is the money to you in this equation, personally? I think it's um, one of the really exciting things about what we're doing is that fundamentally, if we do our job right, we're going to help people to look after their mental health in ways that was never, were never possible before. That's really incredibly exciting because we can do good. But also, we are doing a venture-backed tech startup. Which is a lot of fun, you know. It's a great adventure as well. I'm incredibly ambitious generally as a person, and and always want to push myself to the absolute max. And and that's definitely true with unmind. So, how important is money to me personally? It's a, I guess, a, a result of us achieving. You know, if we're incredibly successful, the money will inevitably be part of that
0: it's been really good talking to you thank you for your time just before i let you go and i know neither of us are good with names and songs but it should be we we have this (laughs) under control now what's your song choice and why have you chosen it
2: so it's john coltrane uh slow train i used to play the the sax and love the saxophone generally tenor sax such a beautiful sound and and i love the story behind the people playing the instruments and i think John, john coltrane is fascinating man uh, totally smashed boundaries just an inspiration really and the legacy that he's left Um, and i love this track because it starts out in such a relaxed way it's so chilled and then he just builds up his solo into such a way that it just totally takes over Um, so i love it
0: That was Slow Train from John Coltrane, the song choice of my business shaper today, Nick Taylor. He talks about repositioning mental health, it being much more positive. He talks about measuring things. If you can't measure it, you can't manage it. A data-driven approach to mental health. And what I really loved about him was the synthesis of a business mind with someone who really cares about the clinical need. Fantastic stuff. That's it from me and Jazz Shapers. Have a great weekend.
1: Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.